the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. Monday, February 20th, 2023. Our phone number is 602-508-0960. 602-5080-960. Anything on your mind. Happy Washington's birthday. Or as we more colloquially used to call it, Washington and Lincoln's birthday. Today it is known as President's Day. To honor all presidents equally. None more special or better than any other. Joe Biden, Chester Arthur, George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, no distinctions, all the same. Another win in the war on merit and in the war on judgment, I suppose. What is boastfully self-boasting and by numbers true, the best high school in America, Thomas Jefferson High School in Virginia, won't allow National Merit Honor Awards to go to their students of excellence, excellence lest the non-recipients of those National Merit Honors feel badly. Which raises an interesting question or two. Maybe it should stop calling itself the best high school in America. If the students, if their students can't be best among their peers, why should the school be considered among the best of its peers? That's what we've done with presidents here now. And I suppose to an even larger degree, this is the fight against the war against America, too. We can't or shan't be exceptional or, as Lincoln put it, the last best hope of Earth. I wonder if they even teach what Jefferson wrought at Thomas Jefferson High School. Which raises another question. Are Washington and Lincoln taught anywhere? We all grew up in elementary schools with the portraits of them on our walls. They aren't there anymore, which raises an interesting thought as well. If you were to build a new public school or take one over and put up a portrait of Washington or Lincoln, wouldn't it kind of feel like a subversive activity? It shouldn't, but it would. It would be met with controversy. There's been a long tear against Washington, George, for a long time. And among certain elements of the lost cause theory of the Civil War, those who thought the South was right in that war, there's been that war against Abraham Lincoln as well. That ended, for the most part, and now the war against Lincoln is from the left. As Disney put it out last week, or as the BLM rioters did in trying to tear down statues of Lincoln and take his name off schools. I hope the left understands who they are in league with in their rendering of history, for they are in league with the Confederate cause. The left's reading of our founding is exactly the same reading the Confederate cause gave it, not the, Lincoln, not the reading Lincoln did. If you want to see a history of the founding of this country as steeped in racism and designed to defend and protect slavery, as the 1619 and BLM folks put it, that history and reading of history does exist and did exist. It was found in the words and writings of Jefferson Davis, Alexander Stevens, and John C. Calhoun. That's their reading of history. That was their reading of history, verbatim. 
if you wanted to see a rendering of our founding as trying to expand liberty and equality, that was the history and reading of the likes of Abraham Lincoln, no less than that of Frederick Douglass and Ulysses S. Grant. So I hope the left knows where they are getting their history from and what it leads to. So what should have been on a day like today, a teachable day, a teachable moment where we get to learn and appreciate the deeds and works of George Washington and Abraham Lincoln, we will instead mostly get mush. Perhaps two lessons from them are worth trying to reverse that trend. George Washington, as one of his biographers put it, was the indispensable man. Without him, we would not be here. We would become nothing. It is sad to me that most people know of him only from that awful Gilbert Stuart portrait of him, the one you see on the dollar bill. This man is not, as portrayed there, someone young boys or girls would look up to and esteem. But he was once known as the fiercest chieftain in the forest as young and vigorous as we now so often think about Teddy Roosevelt. Who would know he was in his early 40s during the revolution he led and not guess that he was destined for a convalescent home? Who reads Henry Lee's funeral oration of him anymore? By the way, try to find it online. It ain't so easy, and that's its own sad story. But it was in that eulogy of Henry Lee's, who fought for Washington, when it was said he was first in war, first in peace, and first in the hearts of his countrymen. He was second to none in the humble and endearing scenes of private life. Pious, just, humane, temperate, and sincere. Uniform, dignified, and commanding in his example. As edifying to all around him as were the effects of that example lasting. Henry Lee wrote and said, Not a bad role model, that. But not taught anymore. Only torn down. This great oak of a man, as Lincoln called him, also established disestablishment and equal rights of religion and conscience in America. He also gave us a roadmap of patriotism in the same effort. What effort? A letter he sent to the Jewish synagogue in Rhode Island, the Turo Synagogue. There's a lot in this short letter, and it needs revivification. In this four-paragraph four letter, George Washington wrote this, quote, The citizens of the United States of America have a right to applaud themselves for having given to mankind examples of an enlarged and liberal policy, a policy worth imitating. All possess alike liberty of conscience and immunities of citizenship. It is now no more that toleration is spoken of as if it was by the indulgence of one class of people that another enjoyed the exercise of their inherent natural rights. For happily, the government of the United States, which gives to bigotry no sanction, to persecution no assistance, requires only that they who live under its protection should demean themselves as good citizens in giving it on all occasions their effectual support. May the children of the stock of Abraham, he wrote, who dwell in this land, continue to merit and enjoy the goodwill of the other inhabitants, while everyone shall sit in safety under his own vine and fig tree, and there shall be none to make him afraid. May the Father of all mercies scatter light and not darkness in our paths, and make us all in our several vocations useful here, and in his own due time and way, everlastingly happy." Close quote. As Harry Jaffa put it, 
never before in all of human history had Jews ever been addressed in this way by a non-Jewish head of state. But Washington was explicit that they were equal in the civil and political rights because they were equal in those natural rights that had been set forth in both the Declaration of Independence and the Virginia Statute on Religious Liberty. As Was- excuse me, as Washington demonstrated, these terms were inapplicable to any and all Republican governments. In 1787, a version of the doctrine of religious liberty was incorporated along with a ban on slavery in the Northwest Ordinance, setting the pattern for this the pattern for the states to be formed therefrom. You think anyone's taught that anymore? Or all that derives from it? What can be said of Lincoln? in the time we have together, shall we ask. Clinton Rossiter may have put it best. Noting that Lincoln was shot on Good Friday and died on Easter weekend, he called him the Christ martyr of America's democratic passion play. Or as I've recently taken to saying, he was our founder's greatest lawyer. You know, I sometimes think foreign observers get us better than we get ourselves Marquis Lafayette, Alexis de Tocqueville, J.K. Chesterton, John Stuart Mill, whole host of them who write about America and see and look and observe us and kind of tell us about how important we are more in more of a way than we're willing to see or say. So if you'll allow me to yield, I'd like to yield to Leo Tolstoy. He said... Of all the great national heroes and statesmen of history, Lincoln is the only real giant. Alexander, Frederick the Great, Caesar, Napoleon, Gladstone, and even Washington stand in greatness of character, in depth of feeling, and in a certain moral power far behind Lincoln. Lincoln was a man of whom a nation has a right to be proud. He was a Christ in miniature, a saint of humanity whose name will live thousands of years in the legends of future generations. We are still too near to his greatness and so can hardly appreciate his divine power. But after a few centuries more, our posterity will find him considerably bigger than we do. His genius is still too strong and too powerful for the common understanding, just as the sun is too hot when its light beams directly on us. If one would know the greatness of Lincoln, one should listen to the stories which are told about him in other parts of the world. And then Tolstoy relayed what he had told some of his hosts of his who inquired specifically that he tell them about Abraham Lincoln. And this was in the Caucasus at the turn of the previous century from Tolstoy. Now, why was Lincoln so great that he overshadowed all other national heroes? He really was not a great general like Napoleon or Washington. He was not such a skillful statesman as Gladstone or Frederick the Great. But his supremacy expresses itself altogether in his peculiar moral power and in the greatness of his character. He had come through many hardships and much experience to the realization that the great human achievement is love. He was what Beethoven was in music. Dante in poetry, Raphael in painting, and Christ in the philosophy of life. He aspired to be divine, and he was. Tolstoy went on, It is natural that before he reached his goal, he had to walk the highway of mistakes. But we find him, nevertheless, in every tendency true to one main motive, and that was to benefit benefit mankind. He was one who wanted to be great through his smallness. 
If he had failed to become president, he would be, no doubt, just as great as he is now, but only God would appreciate it. The judgment of the world is usually wrong in the beginning, and it takes centuries to correct it. But in the case of Lincoln, the world was right from the start. Sooner or later, Lincoln would have been seen to be a great man, even though he had never been an American president, but it would have taken a great generation to place him where he belongs. Lincoln died prematurely by the hand of the assassin, Tolstoy said, and naturally we condemn the criminal from our viewpoint of justice. But the question is, was his death not predestined by a divine wisdom, and was it not better for the nation and for his greatness that he died just in the way that he did and at that particular moment? We know so little about that divine law, which we call fate, that no one can answer. Christ had a presentiment of his death, and there are indications that also Lincoln had a strange set of dreams and presentiments of something tragic. If that was really the fact, can we conceive that human will could have prevented the outcome of the universal or divine will? I doubt it. I doubt also that Lincoln could have done more to prove his greatness than he did. I'm convinced we are but instruments in the hands of an unknown power and that we have to follow its bidding to the end. We have a certain apparent independence according to our moral character wherein we may benefit our fellows, but in all eternal and universal questions we follow blindly a divine predestination. According to that eternal law, the greatest of national heroes have to die, but an immortal glory still shines on his deeds. Close quote. Tolstoy does go on. For the sake of brevity, I'll leave it there. And it dawns on me, he, like Lincoln, may have been wrong about something. Tolstoy and Lincoln may themselves have been wrong about something. Tolstoy said he will, his, uh, our posterity will find him considerably bigger than we do, writing and speaking in 1909. And Lincoln may have been wrong about those who died, did not die in vain, as history will remember them, the way he spoke at Gettysburg. They may have been wrong about that. If they were, it's our fault. If they were, it's our fault. And how sad it is. If we can't teach Lincoln today, maybe we can teach Tolstoy teaching Lincoln. But I know there's a war against teaching Tolstoy, too. And we all become dumber and lost. Lost of our past and lost to our future. I'm Seth Leibson. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, 602-508-0960. Mike is in Maricopa. Hello, Mike. Yes, good afternoon, Seth. Good afternoon. Happy President's Day. Happy Washington's birthday. Bingo. I'd like to maybe try Ukraine, the balloons, and Afghanistan kind of indirectly compare contrast together. Okay, okay. All right. So back during the Obama administration, we had Fast and Furious, where we were sending guns south. Then we had Afghanistan, which was just Fast and Furious on a grander scale. And now we have even a grander scale sending some really heavy-duty hardware to Ukraine. And there is indication that it's not making it quite to where it's supposedly to go. So uh, with that part, 
Now, with the uh, balloon and Afghanistan withdrawal, if you recall, there was the explosion that killed uh, 13 service members plus about 200 Afghans. Mm -hmm. We don't even know how many other people. Mm -hmm. But, of course, it it made President Biden look bad. Mm -hmm. And what did they do? They had to cast about to find something to wear that tarnish off. So there was a missile attack. And it was supposedly some guy that was tied to the attack, but it turned out to be a father loading cases of water in his car and killed him and all his children. Mm. I think it was five or six children. Mm. So this seems to be the same M.O., if you will, of what President Biden does. Uh, as an example, now look at the balloon because the, the balloon floated. They saw it. They admit now that they saw it lift off from a specific city in China and float all the way across the Pacific down into here. And then he started getting a lot of bad press and started looking bad. So then he had to look like that maverick tough guy with his aviator sunglasses and his uh, flight jacket. So he had to look around for something. So now they started shooting at everything, kind of like what happened in Afghanistan when they looked bad. They just had to find a target of opportunity um, in that part. And uh, when we mentioned a couple of weeks ago of about the compare to what happened when they shot the U-2 down back in the 1950s. Mm-hmm. Powers, Gary Powers. Put yeah. that, right. Exactly. And uh, But I'll remind you now that they've handed the balloon over to the FBI and the same ones that had the Hunter Biden laptop. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm, I'm really not uh, holding my breath. Did you ever, did you, did you ever see uh, uh, Indiana Jones, the movie Indiana Jones and, uh, uh, and, and the Lost Ark? Raiders of the Lost Ark. In Raiders of the Lost Ark, at the end of the movie, it reminds me of uh, what what they're doing with what he found, the Lost Ark, and how the government bureaucrats are assuring him top men are investigating and studying it. And he says, who? And the government uh, bureaucrats say, top, top men. And then it cuts away to a scene in the basement of the archives of a basement of the archives where it's just being put away where no one will ever find it or see it ever again i kind of i kind of think of that as what's going on with the fbi and these docu and the and 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 the balloon right now and and everything that goes to the fbi i mean if if it wasn't i mean if the fbi if the hunter biden laptop story wasn't leaked do you think the fbi would have ever said a word about it not a peep not a peep of course not Oh, and one one last thought, uh, kind of switching gears slightly here about this train derailment. Remember, we covered this before back, I think it was around in January, with the railroad strike, or maybe it was before the election. And uh, one of the, well, they were asking for more pay, better medical, and I think they were also threatening to strike because of unsafe work conditions. And I wonder if that Norfolk Railroad had something to do with the train derailment, and I know there's not a whole lot of people are talking about that. Oh, I I hear the music, but I did want to say thank you very much for letting me on with Sam. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, no problem. Yep, and I'd like to say thank you and to you and Bill for uh, the hard work that you guys Oh, gosh, it's our pleasure. Thank you for, I mean, you've done hard work. (laughs) I know the work you've done. That's hard work. This ain't hard work compared to what you've done, Mike. So thank you for your service to our country. 
I'm Seth and be right back. We have top men working on it right now. Who? Top men. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. John Dombrowski is the founder and president of Grand Canyon Planning Associates. He is the host of his own radio show, The Word on Wealth, heard here every Saturday morning at 7 a.m. His website, grandcanyonplanning.com. It's a fun website. It's a great way to get in touch with him. John, happy Monday. Happy Monday, Seth. How's it going? I'm fine. It's all going just great. Uh, thank you. I had a good early uh, morning run uh, this nice. morning and a uh, good walk with the dog. And wow. Here we are. That's fantastic. <laughs> here we are. Uh, this is kind of an interesting uh, – the markets are closed today because of George Washington's birthday, mm-hmm. as is said in federal law. But um, this is – thank you. This is uh, <laughs> this is uh, kind of an interesting headline that sends the brain in a couple directions. Uh, over at CNBC, layoffs are spreading, but some employers can't hire fast enough. Right. Kind of, kind of two lines going in opposite directions, right? Yeah, and it's interesting because you do have a, a number of these tech companies which are definitely laying off people. They hired so many people during COVID, and uh, they found that at this point they don't need all the labor that they have in certain areas. But yet there are other areas of their, their business where they do need help. Uh, and, you know, generally, as we still see, we talked about this, I think, last week, Seth, that um, the employment numbers were extremely good. The unemployment numbers were extremely low. And uh, maybe it's because of of the situation with some of the uh, government uh, subsidies have uh, subsided and people need to get back to work. Um, but, yeah, corporations, some of these big corporations are firing and hiring at the same time. Yeah, so right. it is a bit of a of an unusual scenario. Yeah. And 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 if I might say, I mean, along with this hiring and firing, um, it, it might be it might be something for employees to think about uh who 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 are thinking of quitting because you know sometimes it's it's an employee's market and sometimes mm-hmm. it's an employer's market but you know if it's we're talking about skilled labor um it's an employer's market i think yeah and there's a little bit of a recalib- re- recalibration yeah. you know yeah, I guess recalibration you- maybe recalibration. try that one on for size um you've got um you know, companies that are paying uh, people at a, a, maybe a larger salary, yeah. they can let some of those people go, rehire uh, some new people at lower uh, incomes, and uh, just you know set their budget down a little bit lower than where it is at t- today. So it just saves saves a little bit of uh, capital for them. To increasingly stretch our brains in dealing with seemingly contradictory headlines. If you go over to the Wall Street Journal, there's another one. Mm-hmm. Investors worry too hot economy will put Fed on more aggressive rate path. Yes. yes. Also, seemingly that headline mm-hmm. is a contradiction, right? Yeah, and that's what, you know, the good news is bad news type yeah. thing we talk about. Yeah. Uh, and that is exactly what's happening right now. You know, we got that strong jobs report. We got a little bit hotter inflation uh, on the CPI numbers and the PPI numbers. Uh, so all of those things are leading to the thought that the Fed – uh, may be a little bit more aggressive in their next rate hike. It's possible they, they shoot for a half a percent instead of a quarter percent that uh, the market is expecting. If that happens, uh, I, I think they probably have 
some justification for that in their mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there are still those on the other side of the aisle that believe that the Fed has probably gone too far already. Mm-hmm. Uh, and many thought that before the end of this year that they would maybe be in the rate cut mode. Uh, but I think that um, is probably not going to be happening uh, at this point. Uh, but it's possible that the Fed might just continue with that quarter point hike and still just kind of see what the ramifications of all of these rate hikes are going to be, giving it a little bit more time to season. Yeah, and one of the interesting lines, too, is I I was reading this article, and I thought it was kind of interesting that when we keep talking about a soft landing, there may be no landing. No landing. (laughs) Yeah, you caught that, too, huh? Yeah, Yeah. and and again, that's true. Maybe there's not going to need to be a landing because, you know, in this case, they're basically saying that uh, the economy seems to be okay. Um, even though we've had all these rate hikes, uh, which are historic uh, in, in their own right, uh, but the markets have still gotten through this. And if you look, the, the Dow is 5,000 points higher than it was at its all-time low. Yep. So it's made a really a pretty substantial recovery in a short period of time. I'm not saying that there isn't still some risk out there and there's always that potential of a black swan event, but generally speaking, the market seemed to be a little bit more stable, and I think people are seeing that and starting to react to that, and more money has been coming into the markets because of it. Yeah, we're hitting a clearing, aren't we? Yeah, yeah and I think that people is. who have been a little bit nervous and concerned had money on the sidelines. They did miss out on this recovery, and again, there's always an opportunity out there, and if you're working with a good advisor, I think they can guide you in the right direction to help you uh, reach that successful retirement that we all dream about. Right, Seth? And by my lights, you are the best Thank of you, advisors. Sir. All right. Securities and advisory services offered through Creative One Securities LLC, a member of Finrod Tippick, an investment advisor, Grand Canyon Planning Associates LLC, and Creative One Securities LLC are not affiliated. Go Thank to our you, website, GrandCanyonPlanning.com. GrandCanyonPlanning.com. Thank you, John. Thank you, Seth. You bet. I'm Seth Liebson, 602-508-0960. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, 602-508-0960. Anything on your mind? I was, uh, I was, uh, I was talking with, uh, with my buddy Hugh Holman earlier, and uh, he'll be in tomorrow, but we were talking about that, that story on NBC headlines, the NBC headline I read to you uh, last Friday. It came out last Friday, and it's a, It'll be an interesting question as to I, – I ask you, it's an interesting question if any of you had um, seen or heard of it elsewhere or repeated anywhere else. came out Friday, and the headline was, Immunity acquired from a COVID infection is as protective as vaccination against severe illness and death, study finds. And it was a massive study of many, many countries. And uh, I was, uh, for fun, reminded that uh, – Adam Carolla had had done a take on Anthony Fauci in 2021, speaking with Sanjay Gupta about on CNN about an Israeli study that had found the same thing, except that natural immunity was many times greater than uh, vaccination and uh, vaccinated immunity. And and Anthony Fauci was kind of acting as if uh, this was this was news to him. And that, uh, you know, there would be questions about durability and that he would have to go and look look back into it. And 
and Adam did a did a I think screed is the right word for it uh, on 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 how could this possibly be but that, that this great this 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 great epidemiologist and uh, expert in immunology would only now in the middle of 2021 first be hearing about the concept of natural natural immunity because we know darn well that there was only one narrative that they and this public health industry this public health industry complex crisis industry complex more than anything else really only one series of directions and mitigation and protective measures they wanted us to take all to fit a certain political narrative and all kinds of other ancillary concerns that really had public health is probably the last thing on their agenda or at the last thing on their tote board of concerns. Public health, it was the last thing. And he was saying, you know, Seth, we were saying the same darn things. Uh, you don't have to play Adam Carolla. I said, I know, I know. But it just, I, I wanted to point out, and I do want to point out, that there were a few voices out there saying these things. And they were mocked repeatedly, whether it was Hughes or mine or or um, or Adams. So Bill Maher uh, was doing it over the weekend as well. He, he, of course, picked up on the headline because it also vindicated what he had been saying since the beginning. And as you know, I'm always hesitant and I always wrestle with with promoting Bill Maher uh, for saying things we've been saying. But I did do it. Well, first of all, why the hesitancy? I'm hesitant in replicating and applauding and giving him an ovation for saying things we have been saying that he used to not say. So, for example, the clearest example is when Dennis Prager was on a show a few years ago, three years ago, I think, four, and uh, was, you know, asked about Donald Trump's lies. And Dennis Prager said they concern me, but the lies of the left are far greater and far more damaging. And Bill Maher said, give me an example. And Dennis said um, that men can menstruate. That's a bigger lie with a lot more damage attached to it. And the audience laughed and Bill Maher laughed. And now Bill Maher rails against this uh, embrace of, of uh, tampons in, in, in men's restrooms and, and the whole transgender orthodoxy that has suffused our, our culture and our institutions. Now he does. So I, I don't really quite applaud for that so much. But it is true to his credit what he said here on uh, Friday night, which was that he had been there from the beginning. It is true. He was not on Team Fear from the very beginning. He did not change his mind. He was one of the few with common sense approaches to these things. And I tweeted it out. And it's it's worth knowing because I do think he has the mainstream media's number on this. I really do. And uh, if you'll just indulge a minute, uh, because it's not a change of views from uh, of his. It's not uh, him used to mock our views and now I'm on your side kind of thing. He didn't grow in office, as they say, usually in the liberal direction they say that. But he didn't grow in office. To be fair to him, he was always on this side. As I saw in the paper today, kind of a big story, I think. I wonder how much it's going to get covered in the liberal media, because it's about how natural immunity... They did a giant study, 65 countries, or maybe something like 65 countries, many, many different studies. They looked at them all. Natural immunity, as good or better than the vaccine. Something I've been saying since the beginning, and I get called an anti-vaxxer. That's not an anti-vaxxer. This is the kind of thing 
I, you know, my problem with the media from both sides is not that you, you guys lie. It's that you tell me your side of the story that you want me to know. You don't tell me the whole story. I'd be curious as to how much play this story gets, because I, I, I remember reading that they did a study of Republicans versus Democrats. The question was, what percentage, this is like a year and a half ago, what percentage of people who get COVID require hospitalization? The answer is less than 1%. Almost half of Democrats thought it was over 50%. They listened to your network. Where do they get that kind of information? Yeah, that's right. And that's where Sonia Sotomayor, a Supreme Court justice, got the numbers so wrong in oral argument, numbers that were impossibly untrue, that even a common sense just step back would have shown you that She's not reading the data and she's weighing in on the kinds of things that CNN was telling. Uh, uh, Bill Maher was talking to people at CNN saying, you know, you're, they, they were watching your network. That's how they got that impression. So, you know, I, 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 would, I would suspend my rule of, of, of replicating or repeating Bill Maher's voice on this because it wasn't a change. He was right from the beginning, as so many of us were and he was mocked from the beginning, as so many of us were. And slowly and surely, every day, the, those who mocked us, uh, those who said we were idiots, those who said we were anti-science, um, it turns out they should have been looking in the mirror. They should have been looking in the mirror. I don't know how many of you will see the story or notice the story about all the missing children. Do you know that there are a ton of missing children? children who never return to school and cannot be accounted for hundreds of thousands here's the wall street journal america's missing school children a new study finds that a quarter million students can't be accounted for does that sound like maybe that should be a crisis 250,000 children cannot be accounted for we're not talking about gotaways who crossed the border we're talking about American children who were in schools that we cannot find. They didn't return to school. And that is, yes, accounting for those we did track who went into private schools and homeschooling. That does account for those. That is not the answer. 250. The things we should have crises about and our hair on fire about, we don't. The things we don't, we shouldn't have to have our hair on fire about and have crises about and call black swans and panic and team panic and team fear. We do. Our priorities are upside down. You've probably been hearing me talk about Y-Refi for a while now, and if you still have questions about investing with them, they would urge you to give them a call as they would happily put you in touch with any number of satisfied clients and customers of theirs in the Phoenix area who have invested with them and have done very well. Their phone number is 888 888- why refi 34 and they'd like you to think about your ira as well how's it doing would you like your ira to be earning strong fixed interest rates and not be dependent on the stock market or the fed did you know you can invest with why refi through an ira or other qualified funds and you can keep your investment including the high fixed interest rates you earn tax deferred that's right your money can stay in your ira and you don't have to pay taxes on the income you earn Give them a call at 888-YREFI-34 or check them out online, investyrefi.com, investyrefi.com. There's a few professors, 
probably five or so that I routinely will speak about on this show. Just great gifted giants of public intellect um, who have passed from the scene. Uh, Three of them, uh, four of them, let me say, Leo Strauss, Walter Burns, Alan Bloom, and Harry Jaffa. Uh, Alan Bloom, you know, from Closing of the American Mind. Uh, Harry Jaffa was my teacher. Walter Burns was uh, uh, a professor at... um, at Cornell and then and then uh, and then uh, Georgetown University, and Bloom, Burns, and Jaffa were students of Leo Strauss, the other one. So Leo Strauss was one of these German uh, emigres during World War II who taught them and many others. And I was just seeing Steve Hayward had pulled out a wonderful old essay of Walter Burns's. I'd like to share with you as we close the hour. This is from 1985 when Walter Burns was worrying about world government. And Steve says, you know, it would apply equally well and equally true to the kinds of things you hear from the green movement as well. Tyrants have always known the power of fear. They have always known that human beings can be forced to do all sorts of things out of fear, most of them terrible or despicable. They can be silenced. They can be made to grovel or debase themselves. As fear is the principle of despotic government, Montesquieu wrote, its end is tranquility. But this tranquility cannot be called peace. No, it is only the silence of those towns which the enemy is ready to invade. That was written a little over 200 years ago in a world that knew nothing of nuclear fission, but technological advances can only enhance its relevance. Is it not still important to ask whether a world built solely on our fears will be a despotism and even more important because its powers would extend far beyond a few silenced towns? You know where I thought that quote would apply to? Everything we just said about COVID from circa 2020 to, oh, about yesterday. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 